Oh, hi, Docolo, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of the Documenteers Podcast, where the podcast that discusses documentaries, and each week myself and a documentary-loving friend get our docs off and watch and judge and love a different documentary. My name is Bob Sham, and I'm here a lot, and in these introductions, I inform you of what we're watching. Johnny returns, fully recovered, finally from our Hell's Bells episode a divisive episode in the Docolo universe. One of those episodes that kind of feels like I'm really trying your patience. They say it's not a good approach to podcasting. I say it's sometimes very amusing to myself. We got to a documentary that Johnny has been recommending to me for a while, and I'm glad I sat and watched it. You can watch it for free on the Tubi app, available where TV apps are applied, I guess. This doc is about a punk band in Finland that is unlike any other and who just might be the realest punks out there? Their name, translated to the Queen's Babel, is Perti Karika's name day. But in Finnish, it is pronounced by Johnny as... Perti Karika Nimi Paivats. I'll just assume that's correct. They also go by PKN. Oh, and did I mention that this punk band's members are all either autistic or have Down syndrome? Yeah, we're gabbing on the documentary The Punk Syndrome by Yuka Karkanen and Yanni Pateri Posse. That's the first of three times that I pronounced those directors' names incorrectly. Next week on this, the greatest documentary-themed podcast in the universe, we hit up a documentary that Stuart has been requesting, and it's about a notorious cook in Greenwich Village who's transitioning from his old neighborhood and representing change in another neighborhood with unique philosophical musings, family arguments, pancakes like you've never seen them. We're talking about the late Kenny Shopson and his notorious Shopson's restaurant and Matt Mahurin's I Like Killing Flies. It was filmed in Manhattan less than a year after 9-11. You can find it on YouTube right now. Last we checked. We might be debuting a hot new segment on that episode. Find out more next week right here on The Documenteers. As you can imagine, all the music we play in this episode is by the band and the documentary we're watching. To quote Jack White's Jiminy Pages and The Wedge, from that other documentary, it might get loud. Documentariespodcast.com. Don't be afraid to watch this subtitled finished documentary we're about to discuss. It's a good doc and reading is fundamental. Please give us five stars in our review on Apple Podcasts. We are in need of them and it's a great way to let us love you. We'll accept nice reviews anywhere, but not every app is apparent on how you do that. Praise. That's what we asked for. That's what we didn't get enough of when we were kids. Now we do podcasts. Pathetic. I know. Let's get into this. Fuck these group homes. And why do pedicurists exist? Let's find out and keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Kohta paikalla, niin tulkaa kuuntelee, ette pety koskaan, kun me ollaan, me ollaan yksi Suomen parhaimpia ja tullaan edalle meidän mielestä. Vai mitä kun... Joo, joo, nimenomaan. Elikä ykkösiä. Johnny. Yes. Welcome to the show. It's good to be here. It's been a minute since you've done this. What was the last thing we even did? I think it was... Can't be Children of the Stars. No, it was um, Hell's Bells. Oh, shit. That's I think right. that's the last one we did, which is a while ago. Yeah, we, we worked so hard on that one that I needed vacation. <laughs> How long did that take? Like five hours? Yeah, yes. Because it was a watch <laughs> and record. We have those styles. Whenever that happens takes a long time yeah and then i was obsessed with hell's bells for a few weeks afterwards folks it might sound like we don't know what we're talking about or doing but we actually do put in some real work on this shit sometimes dude so much there's a lot going on behind the scenes just remember at at the end of the year when we open up a patreon (laughs) but we won't make things expensive and we will provide weekly content that you'll want to hear oh damn straight but johnny you have been recommending this movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. You love this movie. I absolutely do. 
And this month has been all about, or will be, because this is the first episode of August, giving back to the co-host, doing what they want to do. Oh, nice. Doing okay documentaries okay. that they've been talking about, and I've been going, nah. <laughs> and, um, I was wondering what was up with that, because you've been like, oh, I don't know about the punk syndrome yet. It's me, the noble leader, yeah. giving it back to the little guy. The little oh, that's person. fantastic. Thank you so much. The, 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 the ones reaching down below my station to give a hand up to those that need it. So next August I'll get a I'll get a little bit of a bonus from your Patreon. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Probably like yeah, the three people that are on it. I'll give you like a dollar. Okay, cool. <laughs> what would be the percentage breakdown? Fuck if I know. Look, I need to replace what a, what a podcast royalties amount to. <laughs> I know going. songwriting it's a word for a third, so I think uh I think we'll have to uh, replace stuff first. It would be nice ideally if sometime down the road I could pay like a hundred bucks for a session. Of course, dude. I would totally do that if I could. Podcasting is a lucrative business. Yeah, it's such to a lucrative in. business. Like I've talked to people who have like what would relatively be considered successful podcasts and then being like, yeah, someday I hope to make money from it. And I'm like, what the fuck? You have like thousands more listens than I do. What do you mean you <laughs> right. hope to make money? <laughs> right. We ain't no slouch. The people who tune in listen. Oh, absolutely. That's for sure. Our like ratio is like really good, you know? Like, people aren't just in and out, you know? Yeah. And I also think it's fascinating that podcasts have kind of become the new talk radio. Uh, just so y'all know, I've probably mentioned this before, I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. No. I pretty much listen to documenteers. <laughs> once, <laughs> I've heard a good once, bit of Teacher's Lounge. That's pretty hilarious. Once every six months, you'll tune into some hot documenteers talk. Absolutely. But uh, I think it's, well, you know, with my fascination with radio, it's interesting how... A lot of that has moved online and talk radio has just become even more democratic and therefore less lucrative because sure. it's moved to the internet. I think Same uh, with music. I think uh, podcasts do appeal to people who remember a time where you would just randomly, if you're like, oh, Art Bell's on, I want to listen to weird shit. I feel like podcasting kind of lends itself to that kind of audience. Mm -hmm. But does that mean it will die? If I did YouTube videos, I'd probably get like a few thousand more than I got going just from an audio medium because... That just happens to be more. I don't know. It all depends, though. Are we on YouTube yet? Trying to work on it, but it will just end up being um, an image while the episode plays. Well, that's true. Well, that's what a lot of it is. A lot of YouTube is for a lot of things. But I think some days, yeah, I would like to transfer a lot of these episodes onto YouTube. I'm not entirely sure how people use YouTube Red, so. I, I think it's just like um like a premium right yeah yeah subscription. i know i know people use that to listen to music but i'm not sure exactly how how often people are using that for just audio uh, yeah well you 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 basically want to make like a movie but it's not really a movie you know what i'm saying right it's just like creating another format to hear the show but... so one day we'll set up a camera and then people can just watch us talk yeah i i do i don't know if it'd be documentaries but i have been kind of flipping around an idea of like a live stream talk thing not but, a bad idea but i mean i'm not trying to like a strong arm the future of documentaries you know i'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a humble servant well i mean regardless of whether i'm doing documentaries or not i want to i'm wondering what the next level is yeah and documentaries will go with me or it won't but like i think either way it just seems like i need to talk into a microphone Fair enough. It seems like that's what I need to do. I mean, you do like to talk about stuff. Sure. Like a lot. It works out. Uh-huh. And you do it well, so let's... Uh... Thank you. That's where I was fishing. Yeah. Thank you. It took us a while to get around to that, but I, I caught on. Johnny, the documentary we're discussing today, one you've been recommending for months and months and months, is a Finnish documentary. Mm-hmm. I don't mean finish ads and get it done. I mean, the it country. is completed. Yeah, it is completed. It's finished. Yeah. We're talking about the country of Finland and a punk band that rocks and rolls over there. This film called The Punk Syndrome, directed by Yuka Karkanen and Yanni Pateri Pasi. And I think I said that right. I don't know. We uh, apologize, dude. people of Finland. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. And I don't know how much I'll be able to clip from this because I feel like I could get the stops and context of their sentences. But because I don't speak the language, I'm a little wary to clip too much, but I definitely will clip music. Oh, hell yeah. Because that's the international language. 
damn straight. We definitely got, but it wasn't hard to grasp the emotion of this. Mm-mm. I want to say up top, I wish I'd watched this a long time ago after I watched it. <laughs> I also wish you'd watched it a long time and it ago. Because I was really into this. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was really into this. Absolutely. There's like a, a real ethos to it. And, mm-hmm. and when you're talking about punk music, that debate often pops up. I think we touched base on it the other day. We were talking about the pure the puritism of it. Uh-huh. And I was kind of being like, we can't get lost in that conversation. We just got to <laughs> let it go. But it's hard not to go back to that conversation. You know, I grew up in a very redneck environment, but I wouldn't really call myself a redneck. Right. Like, I would say influences from that environment can come up, inhabit me in certain mm-hmm. ways. But I think at the core of myself, if I had to like call myself anything, and it maybe took me most of my life to realize I was this. I think I really appreciate the classical punk ethos. I feel, Absolutely. I feel like at my core, that is pro- if I had to call myself something of a cultural subculture thing, mm-hmm. I'm probably the closest to that than most things. And it's always been music for misfits, you know? For sure. And, you know, they were drawing back to the beats, the old, like the original ones, Iggy Pop and the New York scene. And right. even the London scene with their fascination with reggae and... um you know, black nationalism. Yeah. And, and safety. They're anti-imperialism. Yeah. That was a rip off from Richard <laughs> Hell. I don't care what Johnny Rotten says. He thinks he invented everything. He's all right. PIL is a great band. PIL is a great band, but now I can't listen to him because of, uh, because of his support for Brexit and his MAGA hat trolling. And it's probably just trolling, but you know, he, if, are you just, is he just a socialist though? Cause a lot of socialists are for that kind of thing too. Trolling. Not trolling, but like pro Brexit because they don't like the U- the European powers. I don't know. There's different layers to it. Yeah, I mean, I would be for it. I'm just very wary of what's behind anti UN nationalism. Maybe sure. it's because I grew up in the South, and yeah, that kind of anti UN attitude usually has a right wing slant to it. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm getting this wrong. Maybe. I mean, we are presented with politicians in this movie that were from the Democrat Socialism Party. And that could mean something completely different as to what like a democratic socialism means here in the U.S. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, a lot of people from Scandinavia are saying that Bernie Sanders' democratic socialism over there is called social democracy. But in America, there was already a party called the Democratic Socialists. I mean, the Social Democrats. Yeah. And they were far more Marxist than Bernie Sanders would be. So it's kind of a, we have to kind of switch the terms around and, uh, to make it fit our sure. history of our parties. But you also pointed out like how your political perspective on it, there is kind of enough nuance where you go far left or far right and you can be against these kind of like unified nation things. Yeah. But, but because of the environment we came from and when people say, <laughs> we don't need this government or this structure... That doesn't mean the same thing as maybe it might mean somewhere else. Oh, that's absolutely true. And a lot of it is just fuck. I mean, we're reacting to what is most often racism. When, oh, yeah. When we are encountered with this. And sometimes, absolutely. And there are different reasons to be for or against certain things. But where we come from, we're reacting to something very specific. <laughs> that's absolutely true. But back to the original punk ethos. I'm sorry, I threw us into a into a bunny trail there. You know. Oh yeah, we might get lost a lot. Because but I, I always, I think the punk ethos thing. Well, we were going to be talking about all through this. Yeah, but when it comes down to it, though, it's really just always been music for misfits. It's been music for the weird kids. Um, I was just listening to uh, John Doe and Tom DeSavia's second book. They did Under the Big Black Sun about the original LA scene, right? And then they did. The second one, I can't believe I forgot his name already. I listened to the entire audiobook, but it was about the post-punk scene in LA where right. people went after that into like some people who were of Mexican origin went back to traditional Mexican music like Los Lobos and they mm-hmm. connected with John and Xine. But long story short, the conservative environment of LA at the time, the conservative environment and the glitz and the rampant 80s capitalism reminded me of being a self-styled punk in the South. Yeah. In the early 2000s <laughs> and the 90s. Like, 
they were talking about how you would get threatened. Sometimes you would get beat up. I mean, that was me and my friends. Sure. We got threatened all the fucking time. Being being punk in Pensacola, Florida was to feel a bit unsafe you would, and to say, fuck it. You would definitely stand out in the place where I grew up and even in the nearest town. Yeah. You would stand out if you really wore it on your sleeve. I was never really a embellish the fashion it was more purely musical right right right. but if you talk to me for a certain amount of time you'd probably realize <laughs> or be confused this guy listens to a lot of mdc <laughs> at one point yeah <laughs> i don't listen to it as much as i used to so when it comes down to the ethos i feel like if it's been co-opted if it gets into the mainstream and loses its main rebellious misfit message that's when it loses its purity. I'm not talking about yeah. like trying to sound like the 77 bands in London or trying to sound like the Stooges. A lot of bands, I still consider punk without actually conforming to those original three or four scenes. You know, we live in a town where uh, craft is very appreciated and yeah. local music. People, You can be very easily dismissed if you don't have like good gear or some shit like that. <sighs> and it's obnoxious. It really is. But from Hendersonville to Brentwood and to Nashville to all places in between, somewhere around here, like one of the best bass players in the world might live around this area. One of the <laughs> right. best fiddle players in the world probably lives around this area. Yeah. This town has loads of talented session musicians. And there have been punk bands that have come up through Nashville over the years. It's taken a long time for a lot of the punkier, garagier shit to have a foothold in this town. It is really strange. And I think the thing about punk... And that, even now, it kind of... Most of the time, it's like party punk. Yeah, it seems There's like... A, it seems like it was even more popular 10 years ago, more so than it is now. Again. Yeah. Like, it's ebbed and flowed over the Man, years. Man, how do you pronounce that guy's last name? Is it Pujol? Pujol? Pujol. Pujol, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Pujol. I think he is a fantastic songwriter and actually keeps with the ethos considerably considerably but honestly he's probably the person who started this yeah i don't know if he gets proper credit but that's how we got diarrhea planet and <laughs> right oh my god who the fuck else there's well, a bunch of different well a lot of nashville that punk bands a lot of that moment. stuff that came to nashville uh you know 10 years ago that style mm -hmm. was very reminiscent of like garage rock from memphis that was happening in like the, the 90s that's absolutely true so it's it's all been in tennessee pretty much but yeah to me the, like the, the sense of punk and what that is i mean there's a lot of interpretations of it you mentioned the early new york scenes mm -hmm. and the ann arbor scenes mm -hmm. and, but i think that stuff about that music is it strips things down to a basic core oh, what they're yeah. really doing is they're going back to like the original blues transitioning into rock and roll elements and mm -hmm. then just like making it louder and more vitriolic <laughs> yep. and more it's about going back to the bare bones basics you know i i actually i like to listen to shit like yes and there were some like a palmer but there's a point in even those guys and those guys journeys where it's just like at this point you're full of shit this stuff yeah, was really absolutely. talented and interesting but now it's 1985 and you're just kind of full of shit. <laughs> right. Like, Absolutely. And, and I think the thing, it's a natural progress for a punk band to evolve, become yeah. that post-punk, become whatever else they want to become. Because I don't think that thing that a true punk is supposed to be played by one person forever. I think it should be appreciated. Like if you're in a rut, be like, strip it down, strip it down. Because to me, that's what punk is. Stripping it fucking down. Yeah. And when that's honestly how I got into folk music, I couldn't keep a band together mm -hmm. um, because I was a raging sick. monster. I control was a raging freak. monster, a control freak, total narcissist, and I was prone to violent outbursts. Yeah. So I couldn't. And it wasn't because I was 16 and none of the other people, none of the other kids my age and my town could play. You would put or out or wanted to. You'd put out cigarettes on your arms in front of your bandmates mm -hmm. brothers. Yeah, Call them then the B put word. cigarettes it was another out time. on their arms. Yeah. No, the kids, not the moms. Oh, good. Yeah. Children. Yeah. <laughs> Other children. Like, Other I wouldn't do that now. <laughs> um, fuck, where was I even going with that puppy? I don't know. But in Pensacola, Florida, folk punk was booming. This, you know, the, the main venues were right next to the train tracks. We got a lot of crust punks. We got a lot of the anarchist types coming through town. And so a lot of the kids who couldn't keep bands together, they were playing acoustic guitar. So that was my start. Even being a folk singer was stripping it down. 
That's where I was going with that. Stripping it down. And I feel like with this band we're talking about, when we're talking about stripping it down, how to maintain that ethos. The band we're talking about, Purdy Karika's Name Day. Yeah. Which it took me half the movie to realize they were saying the band name. Yeah. I thought that was just some random thing that they were saying. But no, that's the name of the band. Purdy Karika Nimi Pivots. Yes. Purdy Karika's Name Day. Purdy Karika Nimi Pivots. Something like that. And they are a punk band, but there's something special about this punk band. Um, all four members either have autism or Down syndrome. Yes, we got Tony. He plays the drums. My favorite. Tony. He's the fucking greatest. He is just he's a, beatific and above it all. He's it's a amazing. damn fine punk drummer, too. He is. He's solid. Then there's Kari. He's the vocalist. Very emotional guy. We got really Sammy. Harley Davidson's. <laughs> Sammy, he's the bass player, kind of the bossy boss of the group. Sammy Helly, yes. Then you got Perty, who's very, he plays guitar, and he's very kind of introspective. Yeah, he's a really gentle person. He's very gentle, but self-critical. Oh, yeah. It's very interesting. At first, it just drops all these names, and it took me a while to realize what name belongs to who. Yeah. But when I heard Perty talking about like how Perty's a fucking asshole... Purdy, uh, Purdy uh, is going to be strangled to death. Oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, he's Purdy. He's talking about himself. Yeah, yeah. He's writing down his his bad, self critical, self hating thoughts in his diary so they don't bounce around in his head. He he will say, "I hate Sammy Hella" as like a <laughs> mantra. That's his guitarist. <laughs> That's true. He's a. I mean, he, he is kind of a pushy dude. I'm not going to lie. But Purdy is dealing with depression in the most out their way oh absolutely you kind of you really connect with him it's like yeah oh he's depressed and he is out loud vocalizing this in a way that often i'm afraid to yeah absolutely i mean same thing with uh you see kari who's freaking out about having to go to his pedicurist <laughs> like he hates it he but, absolutely hates it he's trying to reschedule when they're in band practice and they're like, no, you've been rescheduling for a month. You have to go. Because I think he's living in a group home. Yes. He and uh, it's either he and Sammy Hella or he and Perti. I forget which ones don't have their own homes. Yeah, uh, some live in group homes and the rest are on their way to group homes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, So I guess that's part of the schedule is getting your toenails clipped. It seemed like a health facility where they went to get their pedicure. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like getting... Getting your cuticles pushed back and getting, I don't know how, I've never had a pedicure. I mean, that's pretty important, though. It is. Keeping your feet on point. Admittedly, I might neglect mine a little bit, but it's important to keep that shit on point. Agreed. So he's trying to reschedule and he can't. Yeah. He has to go to this with Sammy Hella. (laughs) (laughs) Who everybody except Tony has a problem with because Tony's above it all. The only And time- so he's screaming this into the mic while the band is playing like I fucking hate pedicurists. Yes. Something to the extent of I wish they all would die. And Im- why do pedicurists exist anyway? An impromptu punk jam. And Johnny, I'm not fucking kidding. I thought that moment is that one of the best punk songs I've heard in the twenty first century. Oh my god, it was right genius. there. A big thing with these guys is that people are always telling them what to do. Yeah, yeah, and they're not allowed to... I mean, in one for one reason or another, whether justified or not, they are not in control of all their life decisions. Yeah. And so that pisses them off considerably. And then what do you do when it pisses you off? You sing some fucking punk songs. Yeah, about you it. straight up do. He 
He's just vocalizing straight, and he is pissed the fuck oh, off. Oh, dude, he's so mad. Kari is an angry, angry man. Yeah. And when he just impromptu screams these lyrics into the mic, I'm, I was blown back. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's some real to the core. <laughs> that is fucking punk music. That is punk music right there. It absolutely is. And from what I understand, it's also a, uh, a trait of many people with autism. That, that social filter that ability to say like <laughs> this thing to say is socially acceptable and this thing is not. Mm-hmm. So the person who I forget the guy's name, Kala. Yeah. I think he, his name was, he works with them. The manager who works with them, who keeps the band together, books their tours, that sort of thing. Yeah. I think he's realizing and they're realizing that this is a healthy outlet for their rage. Absolutely. The first time we see them perform, it's like this outdoor show. It's like they're in an open trailer. Mm-hmm. And they're singing this song. And the lyrics are basically like, it was Sunday. I went to church. I had coffee. I took a dump. And there's not That's very incredible. There's not very many people watching this, but the few people are like screaming like that along with them. Yeah, yeah. They talk about coffee all the time. They oh, yeah. are addicted to coffee. I love that co-writing session that that Kari and Perty had together, where he's at the <laughs> he's at the typewriter and he's like, like, "So, what do we write about?" It's like, I don't know. Let's write about let's write about coffee. Coffee's you know, pretty good. I do love fuck. I do fucking love coffee. Oh, absolutely. But Kari. He uh, he makes this statement and he sa- he says I'll have a smoke and then a woman, and then we see him go to this group home. That's right. And this young woman starts giggling when he walks into the door. <laughs> and it's his girlfriend Circa, and they're there. To go to the bone zone. <laughs> that is right. And they're sitting on the couch and they're being interviewed and, and Gary turns to her and is like, you'll get some when they leave. <laughs> And then they sing a song called Speech Defect. Give me pig food in the nut house, which is talking about uh, how they don't want to be institutionalized for who they are. And the chorus was, Perty has a speech defect. Perty can't have coffee. Perty has cerebral palsy and can't have a disco party. Johnny has no notes. He just cold red announced Straight up. And then we see him washing his asshole. (laughs) That's kind of what I love about uh, Europeans, especially the Scandinavians. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're naked. What? So what? Absolutely. I kind of love that. Then they sing a song called Decision Makers Are Cheaters. (laughs) Sometimes punk can be a a hard thing to define. I really think, go to, this is on Tubi, which is like early Netflix with commercials. Yeah, pretty much. You can watch this for free on the Tubi app. This is what punk music is, for sure. It absolutely is. At its true core, what it should be and what it means and how it it represents to people who love it, this is what it is. This is the definition of punk music. And I know you're talking about, you know, how hard it is to wade into the murky waters of authenticity, like what that really is. But, you know, if you are naturally a misfit, if you are a person with a disability who in one way or another has been institutionalized or um are on the outskirts of the outside of society yeah and you're writing angry music with radical truth telling with very little filter i feel like that would fit the definition for pretty much everybody
I think by just in the inherent fact that they do live with these conditions that force people to try to control them. Mm -hmm. So for their health and safety, they could talk about anything and it would be like just punk as shit. Oh, hell yeah. I think I, maybe I talked with you about this, like when Daniel Johnson, who has some mental troubles of his own. Oh yeah. um... When he writes a Mountain Dew commercial, (laughs) he might, he, it might not be selling out because of who he is truly mentally and on the inside. Oh Yeah. He can write a Mountain Dew commercial and still like maintain the core of who we who he is. The weird thing is, he's like a he's trying to integrate into the mainstream. Like he wants to be accepted. He knows that it's not glamorous to be on the outside of all this. And I think it's the same with uh, the same with these guys in Percy Carica's Name Day. Is that they don't have any choice. Like Patti Smith wrote that song. Um, Rock and roll inward. Oh yeah, yeah. Where ba- it's, uh, Babylon, yeah. Oh, Babylon leading then, into that. Yeah, yes. Babylon was great. Um, I found rock and roll inward pretty uh, troublesome. <laughs> One because of the n-word, the use yeah. of the n-word, and the and chorus was like outside of society is where I want to be. Yeah, I'm like, do you white girl? Yeah, yeah. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get the point. <laughs> I get wanting to have solidarity with people on the outskirts of society. I think when I'm young and listening to that, I get the spirit of it. But when you really analyze it, it doesn't, it it doesn't mean, it doesn't have as deep a meaning as she think it does. No. Because because she's talking about somebody who had people, she's an example of people who didn't have choices. Yeah. Who found success despite not having choices. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you're never going to be that. Yeah, Jesus Christ crucified by the Roman government. In a way, it's an important song because it's about like co-opting of culture. You can kind of think of it like that and it still has some semblance of importance. To it. It's a perfect example of how liberals can mean well and get it horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I think we just redefine that song. Like it's... It's a problem, but like yeah. it's important in a way we maybe didn't realize when we were much younger. Uh, to be fair... um. I also noticed that when I watched the original Afropunk documentary. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to Columbus that idea. Oh, sure. I learned it from someone else. I think I might have heard that, too. But it, yeah. but it, it, it's not hard to wrap your mind around it. No, no. Anyway, they're on the outside, and they really just want to make their own decisions like everyone else. That seems to be the biggest thing, especially for Kari. Tony's kind of up in Nirvana. Yeah, Tony is like he's, a, just, he's on another plane, man. Are we sure he's not like a a, a manifestation of the Buddha? He might be, man. He might fucking be. The only negative thing we hear about him is that he doesn't really want to go to the group home. But even then, he's just kind of passive about the resistance. He I seems mean, to be fine with it later. It's absolutely true, and you can understand his um, apprehension. To move out of his parents' house and into the group home because the other three members of his band aren't huge fans. <laughs> Does he really want the future that the rest of them have? That's right. I don't know. Maybe he's found another path that the that the rest of us haven't caught on to I, yet. I feel like we all need a Tony. Everyone I mean, everyone needs. A I mean, Tony. a good a good drummer is hard to find anyway. God, give me a Tony, please. Yeah, Perty and Sammy Helle and. Kari are going at it every now and then just screaming at each other and Tony is just in the background looking at the camera like Jim from the office <laughs> like are you catching this shit dude he's good he's a good punk drummer I, I mean it's, yeah, it really is I mean it's my own ignorance to imagine like if you think of someone with down syndrome mm-hmm. uh thinking of them keeping time at any pace on a drum I might be saying like well that might be asking a lot yeah. just not knowing that much and here you got a kid He's he's got Down syndrome and he sits at a drum kit and punk drums like a motherfucker. And I love that scene where his parents are talking to him about him transitioning to the group home. He's like, I want to stay here, but he seems passive about it. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and plays his drums, some Scandinavian uh, kind of I don't know what kind of music it is. It kind of sounds like a cross between polka and and uh, uh, Hino or some they shit. They call it Finnish Schlager. Finnish Schlager. He puts on a Finnish Schlager record and drums to it. <laughs> and his family, they just put on noise cancellation headphones <laughs> and then do things around the house.
That's an excellent scene. The idea that they are so conditionally held back on a creative level, that doesn't mean shit. Yeah. It doesn't mean a damn thing. They can be just as creative and meaningful as anybody else. I agree. I mean, shattering the stereotype that is straight up punk. I can't speak for Down Syndrome because I don't really know much about it, right? But I do know that having been close to several people with autism, I do know that people assume that they have, uh, that they often have a lower level of intelligence because their ability to connect with other people in the way that other people will recognize as valuable is sometimes hindered. Uh, People with autism experience just as many emotions, if not more, than other people around them. It's more often their ability to pick up uh, minor social cues. You're right. Facial expressions are often very hard. And, um, you know, just social norms in general, things that are polite in public and things that are not are often... That that line is often blurred for a lot of people with autism, and sometimes Body the autism can be so severe that people are literally nonverbal or incapacitated. Hmm. But often, when when someone, oh God, what was her name? I think her name was Carly. She she ended up writing a book. She was totally nonverbal, but when she learned how to use a keyboard, she started typing out her thoughts and ended up writing a novel. Right. So it's not a matter of intellect and it's not a matter of emotion. It's actually somehow an ability to, how would I explain that? Wordless communication, the natural body language that we might feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. There's more of a barrier. Absolutely. And for some people with autism, even verbal communication is a barrier. It's Perty's birthday and he's very happy about the people who've come to see him. Kali has, brings his child and his wife he seems like a great guy, this kind yeah. guy. But Sammy couldn't gum because Sammy's a flake. We see Sammy, he's at uh, wearing a politician's sign. He's very on board for this lady, but she doesn't end up winning her election. And he and Sammy seems legitimately upset. Yeah, this dude's straight up involved in politics. He's very lasered in on it. Then we see that point where Kari screams out his fucking feelings. Sammy gets upset at Kari. And Sammy seems like Kari's get Kari gets wound up very easily, mm-hmm. and Sammy is kind of a little bossy boss. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like he was egging this antagonism on for sure. A little bit. He was calling him a fucking clown. <laughs> over and over again, and then Kari just loses it. Shit, fuck, fucking asshole, fuck you, fuck, 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 fuck. True emotional display. He is pissed the fuck off. And admittedly, it seems like Sammy's egging this. He's lighting this. Yeah, he is. But also, Kari hurt Sammy's feeling. I mean, yeah, Kari hurt Sammy's feelings by saying, I don't want to go with that guy. I don't want to go with Sammy Helly. Fuck Sammy Helly. Oh, true. That's right. And so there were there were feelings hurt on both sides and words were exchanged and things got escalated pretty fucking quick. Sammy is yeah. not one to uh, diffuse a situation. Meanwhile, um, Tony's reached a level of Nirvana, which none of us could ever. Glancing at the camera. Yeah. Being like, hmm. hmm. I know. <laughs> we watch him ascend into heaven. Halfway. Yeah, pretty much. But they do go get their pedicures, and I kind of like the way it, 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 I guess they're like government workers or something. I don't know how that functions over there. Yeah, I mean, it must, it. By the way, I. Hell, I mean, being American, Scandinavian healthcare is something that I don't understand. It really. And I really wish I did. I was legitimately trying to wrap my head around this like I was envious, you know. A sidebar, because this movie made me think of this, at least as part, seeing people take care of you know, uh, these folks, you know how much the average pay for someone who works at an assisting living facility is? What's that? Take a guess what the average yearly pay would be. Uh, teacher salary. Like that's goes, uh, 40 grand average, yeah. $21,000. I'm not even fucking kidding. As you can imagine the turnover rates in here, mm-hmm. they're taking care and a lot of people, unless they're super wealthy, have no choice but to put the people they love in these facilities because mm-hmm. they can't be at home all the time because they have to work. I'm in that situation myself. You're paying 21000 a year. I'm well, not. I mean, yeah. But like a lot of time they end up taking um, 
they're social security checks, essentially. The way we are set up to deal with the elderly in this country is not that great. Mm -hmm. But the idea that someone, I, I guess they think of it like they hire people that, you know, don't have college degrees. Mm -hmm. And so they use that as a justification to not pay shit. Yeah. But think about the people in that you know that make the most money. Do any of them do anything more important than take care of our elderly loved ones? No. 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 Not even fucking close. No, I've lived in Green Hills. I live right next to Brentwood. Yeah. Very few of those people contribute anything truly valuable to the world. Then someone who's wiping your grandma's ass. Yeah. And sponge bathing her. Mm-hmm. It's insane to me. It's absolutely insane. It's insane. It's It should be a crime. And one of the coolest things about, I mean, I don't want to go overboard praising the country of Finland because I don't know too much about them. Sure, yeah. They seem kind of rednecky. They, I got, they know, kind of are. Maybe some Scandinavian redneckiness. That they're, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's parts of it that also touch Russia. Oh, true. So you're dealing with some Baltic kind of vibes going on. These four guys not only are, have their physical needs met, you know, but they have someone willing to put them into a band. I don't know if this formed naturally, <laughs> yeah. but the dudes seem to be into it. Like they really seem yeah. to, it's, it's their life. It's their job. They have a legitimate job touring and playing this music. Imagine the, the nurse at your grandma's assistant living facility was also your grandma's like band manager. <laughs> it would be so cool. And also, their job is to literally criticize the conditions in the group home. Yeah. And criticize how this quasi-socialist government treats them. And that's allowed and even encouraged. Like they, By the time this documentary was made, they were nationally famous. And then after the documentary, might have even been before the documentary was aired, I don't know. But they ended up also being in the Eurovision Song Contest yes. to represent Finland. So they chose these four dudes. Did they win? Who they were taking care of and who were pissed off yeah. at the conditions they were placed in. <laughs> they chose these guys to represent the country. That's amazing. I mean, it shows it shows a little bit of something about national character, you know? I did love that point and the pedicure where Kari, he's kind of venting to the pedicures. Mm -hmm. And then he starts being tickled. And he just starts laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> oh, wow, 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 wow. Very charming scene. And the pedicurist is also charmed by this scene. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People seem to be genuinely connecting with them. Yeah. It's not like, like uh, people trying to figure out how not to talk to people. Everyone is like, Really curious and seems to enjoy each other's company. Yeah, I mean, regardless of, it, of whether they have autism or Down syndrome or not. Yeah, I'm not sure if that has much to do with Finland or not, because you're definitely, you know, with Kale, with the people doing the pedicurist, they seem to be comfortable with that. They might even work for the group home. I got that impression. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So they may actually be what we would consider public servants, you know, people who work specifically with people with disabilities um so i can't really speak for how the rest of finland treats them and i'm sure if we knew something about that we might have a little insight into kari's anger sing a song i'm not sure what all these songs are called but it's either called calio rules or privacy in a bomb shelter <laughs> talking about their facility yeah well what he's actually saying is like i don't want to live in the group home i want in whatever town they're from i want to move to Kalio and live in the privacy of a bomb shelter <laughs> because he wants to shut out all the noises and the sounds and the stimulus that is too much for one a sensitive person and two a person with autism that he wants to shut out all of this but he also wants to go out and have fun whenever he wants to in the city then they sing the title track of the movie punk syndrome <laughs> 
the lyrics written down. I should have written it down myself. No, I didn't. Oh my god. Perti is connected into deep layers of of human melancholy here. Oh, absolutely. He's dealing with this with every level of depth of as anyone else. Yeah, so he started one of his tics or his his way of stimming like uh, actions that autistic people do to calm themselves down whenever everything gets overwhelming. Um, I guess one of his tics was to examine the seams of coats. And somehow the seams also have something to do with snakes. And so people's coats have a character of some kind. They have, they're either friendly or venomous. Interesting. Or just a little bit moody, but not like dangerous unless you attack them. And they're reflected in how he feels about the other person. Yeah, yeah, him, I think that's true. We see him talk to Sammy, and Sammy's like sitting at a computer, and he's like, "Weekends are my time." Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't mean. He's actually trying to be kind of polite about it, as polite as Sammy can be. Yeah, absolutely. But per, but Perty, then that's when we start to hear that that mantra: "Fuck you, Sammy Ellie." Fuck you, Sammy Ellie. Hi, Sammy. Hi, Sammy. It almost is like how he copes with dealing with Sam. But he didn't say it to him. He was, uh, I forget what it was, either at the party or afterwards. He's like, Sammy Helley couldn't make it. But that's okay, because everybody has their own, their own lives. And I need to realize that everybody that everybody has their own needs and sometimes that means that they can't give me what i want at the moment and it was it was another mantra for him to deal with his resentment towards sammy heli <laughs> i hate sammy heli yeah tony does is not around for uh practice one time and sammy the bossy boss sammy goes and finds him and he's just chilling at a, like a a lunch table tony's like okay fine and he's just kind of going with the flow <laughs> But damn straight. But he kind of also has to be guided into these practice sections. But Kari and Sammy, they get they're still very contentious. Mm -hmm. Um, But we see Sammy; he's doing um, some strength competition thing. Oh yeah! They ask him, "Hey, are your pants tight? Are your pants so that they don't fall down?" And he's like, "Yeah, they're good. They're good." And he's running with weights or something. And as he does a circle to come around. Uh, his pants fall down. <laughs> his pants. And everyone is just cracking up. And I co- mean, his friends, the <laughs> band manager, the dude that, like, I, I guess works at the group home and takes care of them. <laughs> yes. Everybody is laughing. It's it's one of the few moments where you see Tony break his uh yeah his meditative reverie. <laughs> he and Kali are like kind of rolling together on this. Losing it. They're just trying not to laugh too far <laughs> out loud. Yeah, absolutely. But things are still contentious between Kari and mm-hmm. Sammy. They have like kind of a tense handshake. It's a strange scenario. Well, it's it was kind of beautiful though. Is that when uh when Sammy Helley goes and sits at the bench, like, far away. Yes. Because everyone just saw his ass. Yes. And Kari goes and... Uh, and he lost. Consoles him, yeah. It looks like he's going to say something, or... It is, it's hard he to just, tell. He sits, he stands there, and it still kind of looks like he's trying to hold back a laugh a little bit. <laughs> but then he just shakes, he, he extends his hand. And then we get a little smooth jazz, Tony.
think he's singing a karaoke track. And Kari, uh, he's given a movie. It looks like a romantic Finnish film where that seems to have some softcore in it. By our standards, it's softcore porn, but I think in Finland it's just a movie. <laughs> Maybe. But Kali's wife has a baby, and the guys go see their manager slash assistant's baby. But Kari, I guess, being in the room with life, a new life, Kari then tells the story about how he was told of his mother dying and how his mother died when he was fairly young, it seemed. Wow. And then they sing a song called I Hate Parliament. By the way, still the guys representing the country in the Eurovision (laughs) Song Contest. Kari and Circa get engaged. And they have a a nice little gathering. The engagement party, yes. And then they go to Germany. They're also walking through the red light district. And Sammy does this weird fall. And Kali is like, stop looking at the breasts. (laughs) Come on, let's go. And they perform uh, You're Not Normal at some gig in Germany. But it seems like people from maybe other group homes who share their conditions have also attending this show wow i didn't see them in the audience yeah but it was like a a, it wasn't solely them it was like punk fans like oh yeah like a variety of people but it seems like perty he's dealing with the emotions there they get these ups and downs in this little tour and they're having a great time and they're Mm -hmm. really feeling the reactions from the crowds with their music but perty he's trying to get to something but Hmm. i don't know what it is that's pretty much most of the movie. Perti and Kali, they attend a fancy ball for the Social Democratic Party. Seems a little fancy for some socialist shit. Yeah, well, like I said, the Social Democrat there is not the same thing as Democratic <laughs> Socialists. Right, right. And then they perform a song I think is called It's Time to Get Wild. <laughs> Which it is. Absolutely. Johnny, we don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale. We rate them in Herzog's. It wouldn't have surprised me if Werner Herzog just walked by in the background on one of these movies. <laughs> or in this movie. I'm going to give this one through five Herzog's. You're going to give this one through five Herzog's. Okay. I'm going to combine them for best out of ten Herzog's. You've been requesting this for a while. Mm-hmm. I gotta t- I'm telling you right now, I loved this fucking movie so fucking amazing. i couldn't take my eyes off of it it was charming in all the right ways and it oh, was yeah. educational in all the right ways mm-hmm. and it really got to the core like i said before if you want if someone is like what is punk rock what does that mean this is a fine example absolutely of that and when it comes to my friends who have worked with people with disabilities they also absolutely fucking love it so i mean i don't have a whole lot of proximity to work with people with disabilities myself especially autism and down syndrome yeah neither do i but from the response i've gotten from people who are in that field or have been in that field it seems to treat all the characters very fairly yeah and humanize them and champion their positive qualities and explain the ones that we might see as negative when we talk about authenticity, sometimes it's it's a slippery slope because yeah. you get to the point and you kind of start to talk bullshit. But these guys are authentic to their core. Absolutely. They cannot 100%. help it. They cannot help it. That is who they are. And the way that they... I mean, they're so punk that the punk leather jackets they wear make them look less yeah. punk. If they wore brooks brothers suits oh dude if they were wearing like if they were wearing like sweats and lady antebellum t-shirts they'd still be still be punk as shit the punkest shit in the room we should mail them lady antebellum concert (laughs) t-shirts you know they'd wear them oh hell yeah i would love to meet these guys yeah it would be great especially tony i just want a day of the week to be around tony (laughs) okay i give this five out of five herzogs this really is something to behold and a great film and one of the best punk themed documentaries i've seen and those when we've seen all those decline of civilization movies and they're very good oh my god yeah i mean it's it's kind of my pastime 
yeah. to watch punk documentaries and music documentaries, but especially weird rock and roll docs. Johnny, what do you think about this movie? I think it's probably the best punk doc out there. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like I said, I've seen, like you said, we've seen Decline yeah. 1 through 3. Yes. I've seen the documentary on Siberian punk. I've seen the documentaries on the slits. I've seen Afro punk. Yeah. I've seen all this shit. And American those hardcore. Are, those are that. all great docs. Yes. They're all great docs. And this one just blows them out of the fucking water because I feel like it is the least cool punk documentary that has ever been made. Nothing is self-styled. There's no posturing bullshit. No, no. It's just so fucking real. This is who they are for better or for worse. Yes. And they've channeled it into this one, these simple songs with surprising turns of phrase. And this documentary picked up on all of that. Yeah. And I'm glad they did because if I had just heard the songs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not speaking Finnish, I would not know what this is all about. So I think they did everything beautifully. It's five out of five. I really think it's no less than that. What they captured here is perfect. Absolutely. Punk rock perfection. And I would recommend this to everyone. Download Tubi. It's right there. Damn straight. Oh, also... A plus about this is that they really don't use a lot of um, a lot of editorial tricks. Right. It's so well done. You're focused in on the band and you almost forget you're watching a doc. There's nothing drawn towards the filmmakers. But it's set up so well that you don't notice that it's like actually being executed very properly. And honestly, that's how someone who is presenting a documentary about a marginalized group I think they should focus on the subject. Yes. Purely on the subject and get the documentarian out of the way. Yes. And not have some overriding, like, uh, moralizing their relationship with them. Right, right, right. And they touched my life and they changed me for the better. Yeah, none of that bullshit. And they taught me. (laughs) I thought I was going to teach them. (laughs) Right. But they taught me. There's none of that bullshit. No, no. None they of- were just presenting Pertikarika's name day. I think that would be the American version of this movie. And it would it would have sucked. Oh my god, it would be the red pill for liberals. Yeah. Some narr- some narration like when I first met Tony, my life had changed. And now I'm a Buddhist monk. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank goodness none of that horseshit was in there. I know. I mean my God. Yeah. So even that is an example of how people like us who are not in specific marginalized groups should look at that and present them. Yeah. I wish I could book them. I got to see if there's an American tour. Man, we got to look more into it. Judging by how Perty handled the German tour, I don't know if it's something that's really in his uh, <laughs> emotional makeup. You know, that might be a bit too much for him. He seems like a homebody. It's a Kari we need to contact, truly. <laughs> oh, yeah. But 10 out of 10 Herzogs for the punk syndrome by... Yuka Karkainen and Yanni Pateri Pasi. Sorry, we, I'm sure we mispronounced your names. But I mispronounced everything in this. But y'all made a fucking great film, a great okay. documentary. And in case you hadn't noticed, we love documentaries. Mm-hmm. And we especially love them when we get to watch shit like this. Thank you, Johnny, mm-hmm. for recommending it. And let me thank myself for finally sitting down to watch. You <laughs> yeah, see, thank you, Bobby. You see, Johnny, I thought I was going to teach you. But really... You taught me. Mm. And now I'm a monk. A satanic monk. Is that what I teach people? Yeah. Oh, you didn't realize that? No. You got to be careful what you put out there. Damn, dude. How it can be interpreted. Now I'm a satanic monk. All right, I'm out of here. Keep on docking. Punkimuska, täyttä roskaa, täyttä roskaa. Hey, get it,
Ah, 